Today is the day we say goodbye to 2022. A full 365 days after we said goodbye to 2021. Where will we be a year from now? And is it possible to have enough data to make a guess? A lot has happened in these past 365 days, and Charlottesville Community Engagement has written down as much as possible in the 173 regular installments from this year. How many will there be in 2023? Before we answer that in approximately 8,570 hours, a sincere thank you to the audience, as well as a sincere hope your new year will be whatever you need it to be. I'm Sean Tubbs, ready to say hello to January. On today's program, a candidate emerges for the at-large seat on the Albemarle School Board. A second person joins the race for Charlottesville's open seat in the House of Delegates. Plans are filed in Albemarle County for a small project at the end of Charlottesville's East Market Street. Bus service between Stanton and Charlottesville will expand in the new year. A quick look at bills filed for the 2023 General Assembly, including one that would ban school boards from changing student names on their own. And the number of applications for nonprofit social services funding is up in Charlottesville, and City Council is asked if they would consider providing more money. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance has had a busy 2022. By the numbers, the RCA kept an eye on water quality at 69 monitoring sites, assessed the effects of 245 road stream crossings, and conducted 46 trash cleanups. They engaged 1,002 students, and 1,100 volunteers logged over 3,100 hours doing work. In the summer and the fall, the RCA sought your input on a plan to restore the public access point to the Rivanna at Charlottesville's Riverview Park. With your help, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance can do even more in 2023, so consider making an end-of-year donation today. Visit rivannariver.org to learn more. As 2022 comes to a close, a look ahead to the school board races in the community, beginning with news of the first person to file as a candidate in Albemarle. Meg Bryce has filed a statement of organization to run for the at-large seat on the Albemarle School Board. Bryce is a resident of Ivy and had no comment in response to a question. The seat is currently held by Jono Alcaro, who was first elected to the countywide office in November of 2015. There will also be school board races in the Rivanna, Scottsville, and Whitehall districts. Ellen Osborne announced her re-election bid for the Scottsville seat in November, at the same event where Mike Pruitt launched his campaign for the Democratic nomination for the Scottsville supervisor position. Dave Oberg will not be running for another term in the Whitehall district, having resigned earlier this month. He steps down effective today, and the school board has selected Rebecca Berlin to fill in for the next year. There's no word yet if Judy Lee will run for a second term representing the Rivanna district. Speaking of the Albemarle School Board, the Rio district seat held by Katrina Carlson is not up for election until 2025. Carlson has filed paperwork to run next year in the Open House District 54 seat that's being vacated by Delegate Sally Hudson. 
Hudson is challenging Senator Cree Deeds in the new District 11. Another candidate has also filed a statement of organization with the Virginia Department of Elections for House District 54, which covers all of the city of Charlottesville and sections of urban Albemarle County. That candidate is Fifeville resident Dashad Cooper, and he is also running for the Democratic nomination. According to his LinkedIn profile, Cooper works for the city of Charlottesville as a social services assistant. Cooper did not respond to a request for comment. An entity known as the Greenhouse Abatement Industries Association has filed plans with Albemarle County to clear the way for redevelopment of an old power plant at the end of Market Street, just across Charlottesville city limits. Here's a section from the application written by Shimp Engineering. The owner seeks a rezoning of the preserved steep slopes on the property, which encumbers approximately 85% of the property. With a redesignation of the preserved slopes to managed slopes, the owner proposes a by-right residential development on the property. The former power plant itself dates back to the turn of the 20th century and is a contributing structure in the Woolen Mills Village Historic District. That district is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The application cites the materials submitted for the 2016 rezoning of the Woolen Mills factory, which show that Albemarle staff believe the slopes in question are made by human activity. Here's another section from the application. The redesignation of these slopes will facilitate the construction of dwelling units in close proximity to businesses, parks, and trails. The final unit count is not listed in the application, but Justin Shimp said in an email this would be for two or three houses. The driveways would enter onto East Market Street, which then travels into the city of Charlottesville. The transit agency that operates a daily bus between Stanton and Charlottesville has announced plans to expand the service in 2023. Bright Bus and the Central Shenandoah Planning District Commission launched the Apton Express in September of 2021. Lucinda Shannon is with the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, and she said in an email to area transit stakeholders that the new schedule will include more frequent stops at some of the Charlottesville and Albemarle stops, as well as a fifth trip in the evening to provide access to individuals with varied work schedules. The agency is required to take public comment on the changes. Shannon said written comments may be submitted by 5 p.m. on Tuesday, January 17, 2023, to a address that's in the newsletter. Look it up. For more information, there's also a link to the Afton Express service in the newsletter. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the next General Assembly session, and time now for another look at what's been pre-filed so far. Delegate Kerry Coiner has filed legislation to require those seeking a concealed weapons permit to pass a firearm safety course to demonstrate competency. Delegate Ann Farrell Tata has a bill that would require all health practitioners in Virginia to take training courses on human trafficking. Senator Scott Suravel has filed a bill that would amend the Virginia Freedom of Information Act to allow the withholding of names of people who make credit card purchases on government-issued accounts. Delegate Dave LaRock has two bills that would strip the ability of localities to ban firearms from public property. Senator Mamie Locke has filed a constitutional amendment to allow localities to accept easements in perpetuity. 
Delegate Lee Ware has filed a bill to amend the Clean Economy Act to define energy-intensive trade-exposed industries. Delegate Philip Scott has a bill that would allow people providing service of various legal documents to be exempt from trespass laws. HB 1434 from Delegate Jason Ballard would prevent school boards from changing the names of students unless they go through the legal process. And Ballard has another bill to authorize the study of expanding State Route 100 near Galax from two lanes to four lanes. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in this second subscriber-supported shout-out, Charlottesville Community Bikes believes that bicycles can be a means to social change, addressing issues of equity, access, and inclusion. They provide free bikes to adults who need one, and have a special program that provides free bikes to children. And this year, the organization gave away 200-plus bikes and free repairs for adults in need in their Voucher Bike Referral Program, refurbished and sold 340 bikes, providing affordable, sustainable transportation for the community, and repaired 260 bikes in 12 mobile bike clinics. Want to learn more or support their work? Charlottesville Community Bikes currently is seeking matching funds for a grant from the Outride Fund. Visit charlottesvillecommunitybikes.org to learn more. One more segment today, and this dates back to something from December 5th. Charlottesville Human Services officials have asked council for more money for nonprofit agencies that provide services for individuals and households in need. That was one takeaway from a December 5th, 2022 work session on the city's Vibrant Community Fund. The city issued a request for proposals for funding in early October. The number of applications increased from 28 for the current fiscal year to 50 for the next one. There were 12 applications from entities that had never requested money before. Here's Misty Graves. She's the Director of Human Services for the City of Charlottesville. There's a range of asks from organizations this year, ranging from about $5,000 all the way up to $335,000 without any changes to the current, um, you know, flat allocation of funds to the Vibrant Community Fund. Organizations are going to expect to get significantly less than their asks. The total amount requested was $4.35 million, compared to just over $2.75 million for fiscal year 2023. When housing programs are removed, the fiscal year 23 allocation was $1.9 million, and that amount has been expected again in fiscal year 24. Here's Hunter Smith, a human services planner for the city of Charlottesville. He's not the same one that owns Champion Brewery. Um, and we currently have the same um, allocated amount of money to share with these applicants and organizations. The increased funding does not include requests for anything housing related. We moved all the housing and homelessness services applicants over to the Office of Community Solutions. Since the work session, teams have been reviewing and scoring the requests, and that information will be factored into the next city budget. Depending on um, how we evaluate uh, funding recommendations versus how much their asks are, we take into consideration the scope of that organization's work, how many recipients they serve, 
their quality of the program and the quality of their application and their ability to meet outcomes and council priorities. Graves wanted to know if council would consider increasing the amount of funding for the Vibrant Community Fund. The numbers discussed at the work session did not include funding requests from arts organizations. Council indicated support for providing more funding, beginning with adding more money to address inflation. Early December was too early in the budget process to give a dollar amount. Here is Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. Maybe one of the things that we would say to the city manager is, as you're trying to figure out where the last million dollars or so might go, consider some of this. Snook also suggested that council be able to provide feedback on their priorities to the committee that makes the recommendations on what gets funded. But Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he didn't want council to be able to interfere too much with the applications in process. He said he has evaluated similar applications throughout his career. And I understood that was political that counselors, you all or we all, <laughs> always would get requests afterwards to change. And that, you know, but, you know, I think that, trust me, we put the hours in, they put the hours in to review them. And I think we best we can respect their their work. But Snook said he wanted to make sure that limited dollars go to advance what council wants accomplished. There's a lot of ways I think that that maybe the process would work better if we gave the VCF committee some feedback once we saw sort of the initial round of, of what they're talking about and then let them process that and make their recommendations to us again. Councillor Brian Pinkston asked if there could be an update in January. Graves said the initial scores would be available in February. And the kinds of recommendations that we're looking for are kind of what you're already sort of tossing around. Do you select a certain percentage for a certain category? Do you want to make your dollars stretch to to more organizations or do you want to focus on a certain, um, you know, evaluation criteria? Regardless of how that turns out, the budget needs to be balanced internally by February 15th, before the public process begins. That's according to Budget Director Chrissy Hemmel. That's just for the city manager's proposed budget. Now, of course, whatever, um, that will be presented to you in early March. And then whatever you all decide you want to do um, with that, um, you can certainly do that throughout the month of March. And that becomes your adopted budget. Hamill said the main question was simply whether council wanted to provide more funding or not. My own view is we should increase it. Um, yeah, if, you, if you're just looking for a kind of um, big picture type of thing, I, I would definitely like to see a few more dollars added to that 1.9 allocation. City Councilor Cena McGill said she wants the pool of money to increase each year. The need keeps increasing in our community while the usable dollars keep in in function decreasing. McGill also wanted more accountability for nonprofits and wanted better reporting on what the groups actually achieve. Graves said that those who are funded now have to provide quarterly reports. City Councilor Michael Payne brought up the old system where Charlottesville and Albemarle reviewed those applications jointly. One of my concerns is I know the reason that we made all these changes to this process was to try to have a way to uh, make investments that had a measurably, measurable, more 
impactful benefit to the community than what we were doing before. And maybe I misinterpreted what I was hearing, but it sounds like with this surge in new requests, we've got a much greater risk of kind of returning to where we were in the past, where we kind of spread a small amount of money out to a ton of different requests instead of investing all in on several requests. And that may put us in a situation where um, there's less impact. Council signaled a willingness to increase the amount of funding by as much as 10%. Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers said he would try to make that happen. How will it all come together? Stay tuned in the next few months as the city's budget for fiscal year 24 becomes more known. But that is the end of 2023 and the end of this Saturday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. These Saturday editions are the least experienced, but I felt a need to get one more produced for this year. I'm hoping in 2023 to provide even more service to the community, so why not finish that up by working on a Saturday? 2023 begins with the Week Ahead newsletter, which I plan to start work on as soon as this one is released. I work every weekend, no matter what. Local government is relentless, and the brief pause we have had has provided me with some ability to catch up. Now the whirlwind is set to pick up the pace. The Week Ahead will be posted sometime on Monday. The Week Ahead will be posted sometime on Monday. Before that, there may be first an edition of 5th District Community Engagement, a separate Substack letter. I launched that in May of this year, and in 2023, you can expect to see that product grow. How's it going to manifest? You're going to have to find out, like I do, as I produce it. All of this activity is funded by subscribers and Patreon supporters. And I've said enough about all of that this year, so I can skip the details, except to thank Ting for matching the first payment of every Substack subscriber. I really do hope that you and those in your life have a good start to 2023. I know that not everyone places a big importance on the changing of the calendar, and I respect that. For me, this is just a good time to take one last pause before the world continues turning faster and faster. Thank you for being here along for the ride. I'm Sean Tubbs, and Happy New Year.